As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos Podcast. I'm Abdallah Dutton, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the New Nomos is and what we need to get there. Over the last three weeks, I've been on quite a journey where my coach, Rashad Ahmed, who I interviewed in episode three on The Heroic Self, put me onto his 21-day challenge. Now, the purpose of this challenge is to transform your life with a number of tasks designed specifically to shake up old habits and behaviors that may not be serving the greatest expression of ourselves. It's been an amazing outward journey, despite the ups and downs, but it's been an even more amazing inward journey. Now, the specific task on one of the days was to look for synchronicity. So it was pertinent that as I started getting closer to the end of the challenge, Nabil de Castro arrived in Cape Town. And when I spoke to Nabil, and we looked at our calendars to see when the best time would be to do this recording, it turned out that the day we scheduled was my last day of that journey. And so here we are. Nabil has spent the last two years on the move, spurred by a need to break free from the lockdowns that were imposed globally. And he started this magnificent journey across four continents, many countries, and even more cities. This episode gives you a taste of it. It gives you a taste of his journey. It gives you a taste of what he learned along the way. And it gives you a taste of how important people are. And how even in the most difficult circumstances, someone will always come to show you the way out. So, without much further ado, I present episode 24, Wanderlust, The Art of Journeying. After being locked down for like three months, I was really yearning to just leave Granada and, you know, um, see other people work outside yeah. of Spain. And I just got a call from a friend yeah. who was in France at the time. And he said to me, if you come here now, I can manage and get you into the boat where I'm working. So I was like, you know, all right, that's cool. I asked him about the situation there and he just mentioned it's good. Like <laughs> not, not much is going on here regarding of this time that we're going through. And, and I just left, like I bought my ticket for the next day. I packed not even five kilos on my luggage. <laughs> I had like a tiny, tiny bag. Yeah. And I just rocked up in the south of France in Antibes. And that's where my journey started. <laughs> All right, spontaneous from the get. So, but you, at that point, you didn't know you were going to be going on this journey. You hadn't planned this kind of world tour for the next year or two years. No, I hadn't planned anything. Um, me and some of my friends were actually planning to go move on to Zurich. All right. Uh, but things were taking long because it's, it's a group and everyone has things to sort out. Everyone's, you know, want to stay one more week. Some of us want to leave already. And when I got the opportunity, I just took it because it just felt right. I was like, if I don't leave now, I might actually not leave. They will close the borders. They will, mm. 
set new regulations and you just never know what can happen but if i leave now i know i'll make something out of it that's sort of my thinking always like just to move forward and then if if i decide that i want to relocate or that i want to go somewhere else i can still do it like nothing bounds me to a certain place amazing so your first stop was the south of france south of france yes Antibes. in Antibes, which is close to nice and there I met this friend and we worked for a bit on a boat and I moved onto a different boat and that was my experience. It was like a, a month worth of work where I like managed to save enough money for the next venture. <laughs> <laughs> Which was? I went to Athens in Greece and initially I was just going to visit somebody but I ended up staying longer and I stayed uh, a month as well. I was trying to work in a hostel that was new. Uh, I met the owners and everything, but um, it just wasn't fitting. It wasn't the right place. You can just feel it, Yeah. you know, that you're not fitting into that place for a certain reason. Even if you like it and you're trying to do it, it's just not going to happen. Okay. And like I was able to read that, so I instantly thought, all right, what's the next mission and that was france back to france again but this time i flew to lyon and i met up with my sister and another friend and then we went to work the vandage which is like for french people it's almost like not only a tradition but they do it like as a family thing as something that is important for them and and where they put a lot of pride into so it's not just like this hard work that you have to get done to make some money like they do that too but it's super important for them to every year pay special attention to that even if they have all their jobs or they're doing other things the families that own the the vineyards they they'll take free time time off of holidays just to do that wow okay so on on the two weeks a year that they get of holidays they will like do all this hard work and then they will go back into their normal jobs and so you were part of a family vineyards um harvest yeah at first we we got this job in a very big company but um we got fired after a few days (laughs) because they wanted people that that worked extra hard without without stopping they just wanted you know to get all this work done as fast as they could and they were just like herding people around and like not treating you super well um and we met a man from algeria which opened his house to us so he heard our names just on a conversation he was like ah you have arab names and we're like yeah we're from spain anyways we got talking to him and we told him a bit about ourselves he asked where we were staying and you know we said well we're staying in this camping area that we've set up and he was like well just come to my house you know you can stay in my house i live in a village close by and i have plenty of space because my children are not at home so like you can use the rooms and we can cook together and this man was also doing the work just because it's part of the culture there Mm. and the tradition of doing it every year yeah he is a driver for some companies but he was like okay now i gotta do this mm. and we ended up staying with him all that time while How we were working like a month or? probably like three weeks okay around three weeks and then he taught us how you actually get the jobs there which is you just knock on any door and you ask the families Maybe. so we went out with him one morning and when we just knocked on the first door that had a sign of like it being a vineyard uh so the name of the family and the sign and whatever and they were like no but i've heard someone else needs so you have to go there so we walk again there and we knocked and then that lady told us the same that i know somebody needs somewhere else we just got two people and then we went there and the third time we knock they open and they're like yeah we actually some of our family members were supposed to come but they cancelled uh, because they're coming from Paris and with all like the restrictions and stuff, mm. they're not going to be able to make it. 
So if you guys, you can want to work, you can start on Monday. Awesome. <laughs> and, and then you also have to put yourself in the situation because you like, you just arrived to that country, you're staying on a camping area and you're looking for work. So it's like, you actually don't have much. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this lady opened the door and she was like really nice. She answered yes to every question. <laughs> she didn't say anything else than yes to every question. So first we asked, um, do you have work for us? And she said, yes. And then we said, is there a place to stay? And she said, yes, <laughs> you can stay in my house. You know, we have like room prepared for the workers. And then we asked about like the food situation and how we were going to do it. And they said they were also going to feed us. So it was like, all right, what else do we need? Oh, yeah. you know, like you've sought out the entire operation and yeah, they turned out to be an amazing family and we're still in contact with them. They've invited us every year after that. Uh, so twice already to come there and also go to the summer house, not even to, to come work. Oh, wow, just for like going on holidays with Yeah, family. just going on holidays with them because we really connected and we helped them prepare the food. We like, you know, just surf in the house more than just like, focus on the work yeah, yeah. we became part of the family which was amazing so this is now about three months into your journey so what happened next <laughs> so the season of work finished and i decided to give another try and work on the boats because that was my my intention i said i need to keep trying it's just extra hard now because of everything that happened in this, like they're asking for a lot of things mm. on top of what they were already asking, because it's not an easy industry to get in. But um, it's very, for me, it's rewarding because like, first of all, it's you like, boats. yeah, mm. you start off early. So you, you already have this, this early start to your day. You see the sunrise, you in, in touch with the water and uh, your crew is also your family. So the dynamic needs to be really good. And that's something that I love when I get to work with people where everyone is on a mindset of trying to help each other because they know if that's not your mindset, you're not going to make it through. Yeah, 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 You're like living with maybe 10 to 12 people on the boat and you need to make sure that everything is spot on. Otherwise, someone's going to get the blame. So everyone's trying to help each other and that just makes... It makes you be on a positive mind state. It makes you be extra helpful with everyone and their needs. Because uh -huh. you like, you have to be a team and play for your team. So I was like, okay, I'll give this another shot. But that didn't happen either. And then that's when I spoke to my cousin in California. And, and she said that, you know, if I wanted to come through, I could definitely find some work there. And at this point, moving around the world with a Spanish passport, there wasn't any blockages. So there was, there was many, many times where I had to cancel where I was initially going. Mm. So when I finished with this family in France, I was actually meant to go to Naples in Italy and find uh, the yacht in Europe there, but then the borders closed. <laughs> and then... I decided to go back to France and that's when the season ended and all the boats were crossing the Atlantic to Florida and to the Caribbean waters. So when I spoke to my cousin and she said, you can definitely make something happen in California, I thought perfect because I can go there, work for a month or two, and then I can go to Florida and keep on trying to achieve this because the, you know, it's like a dual season, like in the Mediterranean and then they go to the Caribbean. So I was like, okay, it's September now. Everyone's crossing, escaping winter. So I'm, I'm going to do the same. My plan was to actually get a job in the Mediterranean and do the first crossing to the Atlantic. So I wanted to end up there anyways. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I said, I didn't make it on a boat. I'm just going to make it on my own yeah. and hope that I, I'll cross back with them. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was the thing. So you flew from France? I flew from France to... Mexico because it was impossible to get in the the United States oh, wow. 
it was closed off for almost every country. You needed to either have a residency, and even like that, though it was a hard time because I know from some friends that lived there that they went to visit their families when they had a chance, and they when they wanted to come back, they weren't allowed back in, even when they own a car and a house and they were renting a house. Even with a work contract, it was hard. Yeah, I went to, to Mexico. I spent two weeks in the city of Mexico. And then I, that way I could fly into the States. Because the uh, only country allowed in the States was Mexico. Oh, cool. Because it's All got right. a, like a ton of Mexican workers coming in and out every <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So from Mexico, you were able to enter into the States. It was the only, the only way. And that I was researching before going there because I was thinking, how can I make this possible? How Mm -hmm. can I go to the States? And just reading the regulations, what the airlines were saying, what the newspaper was saying, we figured out that if you go to Mexico and you stay there for two weeks, when you go into the States, they're only going to ask you where you've been for the past two weeks. They're not going to ask you which other countries you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did the same thing in Europe because South Africa has been on the red list for every country since forever, basically, even before Omicron. And yeah, I wanted to travel and I wanted to go to Spain. And the only way in was some way through Europe. I spoke to the Spanish embassy and they were like, no, there's no way you can't go from South Africa. You just can't come. And so I ended up going to Italy because my sister was there. And she had residence, and so she and she had just given birth, so she said that she needed help um, looking after the baby, which was absolute nonsense, but it was enough to get me through the border control. And then once I was in Italy, then they didn't even check because going from Italy to Spain is, you know, in Europe. But yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. There's been because no one's really known what's going on, so there's always been like some kind of loophole. They've always made it seem impossible, but there's always a way, and that's probably been the thing that the most people have asked me it's how did you get there you know everything is closed we've had to cancel flights that we might have bought a year ago or our holidays that were planned from whenever and no one really knew how to how to do it and for me it was so simple because i just i didn't want to believe that i had to be locked down and then i had to stay in the same place i thought that it was madness and and that it wasn't going to be healthy for me. Mm. So I I set this mindset of doing the complete opposite. Amazing. Of just like, all right, if everyone's going to be locked down, I just have to travel because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be everyone. And also the, the main tourist spots, they're usually full of people. Mm. They were empty. Yeah. So it was... It was different. It was a, a different experience for me than than everyone when they've been on holidays, maybe to beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I was in Portofino in Italy, and that's like the destination. And I was there, like I was saying on this trip. And normally, Portofino is chock a block with tourists, people from all over the world. And Portofino is it's like it's a small little cove. It's a small little bay. Mm. So there's not much space there. And we were there, and I'm telling you, there can't have been more than 50 people in the whole place. It was like all hours. It was so beautiful. Yeah, which is amazing because you get to connect with the place mm-hmm. and the, the feel of that rush that the, there's usually in a place where there's a lot of tourists. There's kind of like a rush. Everyone's on a rush to surf the food for you to leave the restaurant, for you to check in the hotel, to do everything, there's a rush because there's many people. Yeah. So you actually feel like you're just being like pushed into places and out of places. Mm. But with with no tourists, you actually could just sit in a in a coffee or a, like a bakery and just talk to the locals, you know, mm. speak to the owner, see what he thinks about the situation or just to anyone that's on the street. Yeah. It was a, a lot, it was calm and it was, you could feed off the place yeah. and the people, Amazing. which is, it's, when, when I travel somewhere, I usually try to stay the longest I can mm. to really get in sync with that place 
and not only just go to the few tourist spots, but see how the people live, you know, how they cook in the house, what time they wake up, like what's the places they like to go. So you just meet a few people and you live how they live. Mm. And when you leave, you kind of have this feeling that you've had the life for a little time. And then you're able to compare like what kind of lives they have in different parts of the world. Which it's, for me, it's like, that's what I really take after a trip. Like, yeah, I take pictures and videos and, you know, I, you go to these beautiful places, but you want to know the, the lifestyle and why they do it. The reasons behind, like, the, the traditions. Because sometimes some of the people do it just because everyone else does it. But also every, some people are able to find their own reasons on why taking part of the, on that. Whether it's a carnival or it's a national party or it's anything. Interesting. Given, given the fact that the whole world is in lockdown at this point, this is 2020, nobody's traveling. You look, on, you look online and you, with all the news and everything, you can see that half the airplanes are just being grounded and there aren't any tourists around you being a tourist during this time of no tourism did you find that you were received by people in a way that was different to how you would have been received prior and I'm, i know you've mentioned in a coffee shop or here there or whatever because surely people were quite amazed that you were like on the move during this time of, like you said lockdown yeah i i think that that people just wanted to do the same Mm. they they looked at you and they just wanted to figure out how you're doing it and the people that came up to me wanted to to find that they told me i wanted to go here how should i do it how should i go there and i don't think i was received in any special way but i also feel like everyone i've met along the way was exactly who i needed to meet mm. And this, this is a thing that's always happened. Like I've always received what I was looking for in the right moment and time. So, and you also have to look at it that way yeah. because if, if you go into a negative thinking that you're not getting that, you will not get it. But if someone comes up to you and you're positively projecting that, then that person might have something to tell you that is exactly what you need but you need to be able to hear it. Whether as if you're just like projecting that negativeness on, onto them, yeah. then they're, they're just going to go away or they're not going to say what, what you need to hear. That's amazing. I had uh, different expectations for the United States. Right. And I was actually shown differently. Was, that your, was that your first time? It was my first time, yeah. So your first experience of the United States, mid-2020, like the world's in hard lockdown. Yeah, I arrived in the United States on uh, yeah November 2020, and, and it was all good. There's a lot of theories about, you know, how the American people are and like mm. just what people say, what comes out in the news, everything, and what the, the nation is going through. And that just not, it wasn't like that for me. Like every person I've met was great and and helped me. And I made really good friendships. Mm -hmm. And so I don't really have anything bad to say. Maybe it's not a, the, a place I would like to live in, but I was, I was surprised positively towards it. What was the biggest surprise? Um, the generosity of people. I think there would be a lot more individual and they 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 would think more about themselves mm. and just not really care what you're doing there or why you're there. Yeah. But I found out that they they want to know and they want to help you. At least everyone I found. But you can also Americans full of immigrants yeah. and their sons. So Probably everyone I've met, it's coming from somewhere else or their, their parents were coming from somewhere else. Mm.
But I mean, you traveled around the States, right? Yeah. So you must have got, where did, where were you in the States? Like if you were to just kind of like lay them out, California? Uh, yeah, California, uh, Nevada, um, Utah and Arizona. That's starting off the West Coast. Um, and then on the East Coast, I was in New York, Massachusetts and Connecticut. Um, but that was after when I came back because I went to the States twice. Um, and between that, I spent four months, three months and a half in Mexico. Wow, okay. Yeah. You're, you're all over the place. <laughs> it's difficult to try and keep track in, in, in my head. All right. So, see, I've never been to the States. I, I, from this journey on the podcast, there's a number of different threads that seem to be leading me towards the States just to experience it. Um, there's the one I did on the history of black America. And one thing that the guest uh, Idris said in it was, there are many Americas. He said, and that was one thing that really hit me. He said, there are many Americas. There's the America that you find in the cities and even in the cities. And there's many Americas, whether you're like you were mentioning the immigrants, you've got the Latinos, you've got the Asians, you've got this, you've got that black, white, pink, you name it. And then there's the America of, you know, you go half an hour's drive outside one of the big cities and it's a, it's a whole other world. And then there's, it's a completely different world between the West Coast and the East Coast. It's a completely different world between the South and the North. And so you've got this vast country that's full of people. And I mean, I'm going to talk personally. One does have an one does create some kind of idea of who these people are, you know. You read the things in the news about America's foreign policy. You learn about the history of America. You learn about this and you learn about that. Or you see the kind of basketball and NFL and different things on the television. But I am absolutely certain that on the ground, like you were mentioning, is a completely different experience. And what the nation's foreign policy is, has got nothing to do with Joe Bloggs in some little town in yeah. deep Arizona, right? <laughs> so can you recount an anecdote of an interaction with somebody in the States, wherever it was, that really just resonated with you? So I've actually met a South African guy mm. um, that lived in Saudi Arabia for a while. And uh, he moved to the States for work. And he's been living there for the past years. And I think he's the the greatest person I've met oh. in, in in the States so far. And he actually showed me that that America in a way it's it's what they say of the land of opportunity. Because I, I didn't think that was actually true, you know. Okay. But there is no unemployment. Like if you go there you can definitely do something. And if you're smart enough, you can you can make it happen. So being with him day after day was showing me kind of how how it works, at least in his city in San Francisco. San Francisco, okay. And uh, and the wonderful group of friends that he has, which are all Muslim, and they all they all practice sports, they all meet regularly, they invite each other for events and dinners and and it was the opposite of what I was expecting to happen or what I was expecting to find there I thought it would be just like America everyone's stressed and working and like high on caffeine and nobody really cares about you just just like this number that's mm. lost in the system but but it wasn't like that that might be not not an anecdote but it's it's sort of what I what I appreciated the most mm. out of out of the the travel uh, out of my experience. But I mean, what you said with America being being different Americas, mm. every state it's its own world, and like California is very cosmopolitan. There's people from everywhere. But as you go deeper inland. When you arrive in Utah, you're like, wow, 
where <laughs> where am I, you know? And why is these people like that? Mm. They like they are a complete different breed. It's almost like everyone's a ranger. Mm. And you know, everyone has everyone wants to protect the law, which is what they stand for, mm. and wants to make things right from like Mm, you parking on the right spot from you know waiting on the queue for whatever like everyone ha always has something to say about how to do this thing right okay. like everyone's very righteous right <laughs> and and that was funny for me <laughs> <laughs> and then the other states uh nevada arizona nevada i just went to vegas <laughs> course <laughs> <laughs> and i crossed through death valley which was a, a beautiful drive it's What's death valley death valley is like a desert drive that connects california and vegas oh nice and uh, it's famous for movies and things like that uh Did they drive through death valley in the hangover maybe i'm not i'm not sure okay. right. but they they might drive on on the 15th from la to to vegas there's different routes to get there. Okay. But Death Valley is one of like the, the most knowns because during the day it can get up to like 60 plus degrees Celsius. So, and we were traveling at night and it was still 40 degrees wow. at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Wow. And I had to stop the van multiple times because it was overheating. And when I eventually made it to Vegas, I had to like change all the oils in the van and the filters because it was just like destroyed wow. but yeah vegas is a place good to see it mm. and see what it's like mm. but you, you need to know that it's not real it's all just like fugazi mm. <laughs> yeah. so what did you see i saw people being robbed firstly yeah because <laughs> they just go thinking of getting rich and you know this idea of vegas being the the coolest place on earth mm. and where you're gonna have the most fun but it's it's very short-lived you go there with x amount of money and then they playing on roulettes and on this and that and they might make a bit more but then it's gonna be taken from them anyways <laughs> i don't think anyone's gone to vegas and left being rich at least they're really good poker players. But the slots machines make no sense. There's nothing behind them. So I don't know why people think that they are winning at something because you're not actually doing anything. Yeah. You're just inserting some money and letting that machine decide for you. It's chance, which makes no sense to any logical human being. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then the machines are obviously rigged in the casino's favor well the the way they do it is that they show you you have options so if someone does win they will put them on the screens on the casinos and big and they'll come with this like sparkling wine with the fire on it and they will make like a you know like a big show mm. and now everyone's thinking oh my god you know i can do this i can win <laughs> and they're just letting you to believe that yeah and it's just funny to see it. <laughs> I couldn't understand how you can believe it. Amazing. Yeah. It was hard for me to be like, I was asking people actually, like, what's the purpose of the game? Like, how do you know you're going to make something out of it? And aren't you tired of just like spending the money on it? What was the reaction? They don't really want to know because they think that's fun. That's the conditioning. Fascinating. That's, that's what it's been reduced to. Yeah, everything also, it, it turns around a few things, which is sex, you know, from like scores to shows to the restaurants, like the waiters, everything has, needs to have a point of sexual attraction. And then of game, the same, everything needs to have kind of like a game theme. What do you mean by game? It's almost like a... You know the idea of the bread and circus? Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So since you go into Vegas, you see that everything is just a big theme park. Mm. 
which is a huge business. Yeah. And it it just makes you forget that you've been maybe all year working enslaving yourself to just have that time of fun there. Is it fun? I don't think it's fun. I think you get tired of it pretty quick. I spent three days there and I was ready to leave. But my van was being fixed. <laughs> so I ended up staying a whole week. But I just wanted to go. After a few nights being there, I felt like, okay, it's just, there's not really new places to see it. Everything is the same. Mm. Every casino is going to work the same. Every hotel has the same to offer. And if, if that's not really what you're looking for. Yeah. When I went to Vegas, I was coming from uh, Yosemite. Oh, wow. And Yosemite was just like one of the highlights of my trip. Yeah. Because uh, the United States has great, vast nature. Mm. It has valleys and mountains and rivers and lakes. And, and there you can actually feel good energy. Mm. And you meet people that are on your same uh, journey and that are trying to look for the same things mm. as you are. They want to reflect on nature. They want to interact with other people and see where they're coming from and what, what they've learned on their journey. And, and going from that to Vegas, which is the complete opposite, yeah. which people are trying not to think. People don't want to even remember their name. They just want to, you know. Yeah, I just wanted to leave quickly. <laughs> so then, I mean, you, you touched on Yosemite. I mean, just thinking about it, I've heard about it, I've seen the pictures, I've read about the place. What was your experience of that place? Um, the best moment I had was laying on a rock. It was already like kind of sundown and I was just laying on the rock. There was people around, but the energy of the place was kind of higher than the sound of what people were saying like you were getting drawn into it. I could feel that rock being warm and having energy and just being like very soothing and calming. And you can hear the wind on the on the trees. And everywhere you look is beautiful. Mm -hmm. There's like countless paths that you can take. And not just the valley, but like any road that you take on Yosemite can lead you to a, a beautiful... I think you... you would actually need at least a month to get to know it. I, I spent a whole day there and it, it wasn't enough. Definitely not enough. Maybe not even a month would be enough to, to get to know it. And all the all the peaks and all the places, the views, the, the, the lakes. I mean, you, there's one thing, one thing that you just said just now, which was just quite moving for me, is that you said, there were a number of different paths and they were all beautiful. And if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't know what is. Because all of us have an exponential number of paths ahead of us. We can stay at home, we can go outside, we can travel, we can take a plane, take a boat, walk, take a car. You, I mean, you can go to your usual coffee shop or you can go to another sh coffee shop and just check out something different. There's multiple, exponential, endless, unlimited number of paths ahead. And depending on your perspective on existence, they can all be beautiful. Even the most horrible, dangerous, treacherous paths can be the most beautiful experiences. And also the, the people you meet on the path. Because like the path can join you with, with somebody for a period of time. Mm. And then you will just split and you, you're going to take what you've shared during that path with that person, yeah. you know, the stops you've shared, water or like food or the places you've seen. And the thing that you were going on the same direction for some time, it kind of means that you both head into the same place. So you definitely have something to share, mm -hmm. something that's going to make your trip ahead better for, for each person. I've always um, guided myself what by one poem by Kafka that's called Itaka. Oh, if, if you've heard of it. Oh, I have heard of it, and it's just so so amazing. Yeah, and at the end, he basically 
I can't remember the exact words, but it's like. Well, it says that Ithaca is not going to make you rich. But when you get to Ithaca, you realize it was nothing to do with Ithaca. Yeah. 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 yeah Ithaca is just the the goal of getting there. Yeah. But the the whole point of Ithaca is to get you on that journey. Mm. When you get to Ithaca, you expect to be old and not have riches or anything mm. to account for physically, but to actually have lived and experienced all these things. That's what's really going to be worth your way. Mm. The people you've met, the experiences you've had, and all that you've learned. You always have to focus the, your trips on that. Traveling is more than just like moving from one place to another. Yeah. But it's moving consciously, you know. While, you, while you're moving, you're taking part on where you are. Even if you're on the train, you have to be aware. Or, or on a plane, or you're traveling by road. I just want to read out that last part of Ithaca because it's... Yeah, it's devastating. Keep Ithaca always in your mind. Arriving there is what you're destined for. But don't hurry the journey at all. Better if it lasts for years, so you're old by the time you reach the island. Wealthy with all you've gained on the way, not expecting Ithaca to make you rich. Ithaca gave you the marvelous journey. Without her you wouldn't have set out. She has nothing left to give you now. And if you find her poor, Ithaca won't have fooled you. Wise as you will have become, so full of experience, you will have understood by then what these Ithacas mean. But that, that's it. I mean, it's, it's, it's highlighting that it's not about the destination, is it? It is the journey. And, and also that you, in a way, that you've been promised Ithaca. Especially if if you're Muslim, mm. you know that you're gonna die, mm. and you've you have accepted that, so you're on your way to Ithaca, mm. and the the journey there and what you do, it's what's gonna make it so great, mm. because when once you arrive, you you're just gonna take with you what you've done, and that's what's what's important. Mm. That's why the I don't hurry if I travel. Because, like, it's just important what I do on that day. You live day by day, just doing what you have to, what you think is right. And and things just start opening up. Mm. Sometimes there's something that you need to, to give. Yeah. And that makes you feel better. And sometimes you, you are receiving and you also need to be open to receive. Mm. You cannot close yourself off because you think that you might not be worth it for for that or that you have to work super hard to get it because this i've seen a lot of this mentality of like uh, people not accepting other people's generosity yeah but um in a way you're also helping because them their giving is helping them so you need to be able to receive it and appreciate it mm. so that they they feel like they've done this well, they've done this good thing, but you need to make them understand that that you fully appreciate and are grateful for it. Like uh, on, so I spent Ramadan in in Mexico. I did most of it in Tulum, and then I spent the last, the third week to fourth week, in Massachusetts. I was staying with a friend that's uh, married to a woman from the States, but she's actually half South African too. And it, it was a big change for me to be fasting on Tulum on my own, although I had some friends there that were fasting too, mm -hmm. but they were busy. So I was, Ramadan is a time where you want to spend it with people and yeah, be together, yeah. especially after you break your fast. So it was hard for me. And then when I arrived here, and I was staying with the family and we were doing the breakfast together and breaking the fast together. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I was like recharged of energy. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided I'm going to continue. And I flew to, to San Francisco. And then the next day was Id. And I had to find a car 
to continue my journey. So my intention was set on finding a, a van, a camper van. Right. So at night I went to sleep and I was just thinking and projecting tomorrow is going to be the day I'm going to wake up. It's the end of Ramadan. You know, it's a blessed day. Mm. And after I have my breakfast and I pray, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get this van. So I was looking at some ads on on the internet of vans and I was talking to different people about the cars and I was talking to this to this girl that had a van with some with some issues. So I was telling her like I might be able to help if I can, you know, fix it or whatever, I will be able to to buy it. Otherwise like I can just help you sell it. She was from Spain. We met up and we got on talking before we actually tried the van or she showed me anything. We were just talking for like an hour having a coffee. Then we went on to driving the van and she was showing me all the ins and outs. And then when we, when, when I drove it and I stopped and I parked, she looked at me and she was actually, she said to me, it feels more like your van than mine, you know? And I said, yeah, actually, I was impressed because <laughs> from the moment I came in, like, I could already tell you, like, what was what without you having to, to say anything. Mm. And it feels good driving it. And she she said to me, um, it's your van. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I just, it just feels right because I've been trying to sell it for a long time and and it's not happening. And you came and I was, I looked at you in it and, and your journey ahead and everything. And it just feels like the right thing. And she gave me the van right there and then wow. after only knowing her for a couple of hours. Amazing. And she asked for nothing in return, literally nothing. She said that I'm doing this because I want to. And, you know, I will get back what I have, but that's what I need, but that's not going to be from you. Mm. And I was really amazed mm. by her. But then again, you had to receive, you had to receive it and accept the generosity, right? For a moment, I felt bad because I was like, you know, I, sh I should be actually helping her to do this, to fix her van, to sell it, or I should be giving her something in return. But then she said to me that, like, you know, I'm doing this because I want to. Mm. And I know, like, I'm consciously giving it to you because it's going to make me happier that you continued your journey the way you've been telling me you, you have been doing than just being a transaction of, like, you know, selling this one. And, and funny enough, we, we bumped into each other in different places. Oh, no way. Seriously? Yeah. We, we met along the way in some other spots. And we just had the most amazing time where there was like just to eat something, grab a bite or for dinner or have a coffee. Mm. And yeah, it was great. Amazing. Amazing. So I've been following your journey sporadically on Instagram. So you see, you know, one day you're in New York and the next day you're here and the next day you're there. And, you know, you, you, one sees the pictures and you're like, oh, wow, what an adventure. This looks so wonderful. And no doubt there was great adventures and there were times of wonder. But there's always another side. <laughs> and there's no doubt that a journey like this, from going from place to place, has had major difficulties. What's been one of the hardest parts of the journey? I think the hardest was to have to deal with yourself at some points. When you're doing a journey like this, you find a lot of things within yourself that you don't like. Maybe because you spend more time alone or because you're on the road. And, and traveling has that power of bringing the best out of you and also the worst. And sometimes... I found myself in a situation where I did not like myself at all. And I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually that person. 
how how did I get here? And and that that's probably been the hardest to recognize it and accept it and try to change it because like traveling the the act of of it you can learn a lot but sometimes you can travel just on your own mind you know and explore these places that you haven't been before to just learn about yourself you don't necessarily be, need to be somewhere new you can just you know it and that was the hardest i had days where i had just to like stop everything mm. and just stay on that place and be like okay how how can i change this i don't like this about myself maybe because of a, like an argument you had with somebody or something you did you're not proud of and maybe you did it out of you know like like a spree of something or you just did it without thinking and you're like no i don't want to go down that road mm -hmm. i have to you know stop here and analyze it and and change it i'm not gonna take this with me i'm gonna leave this here wow. and i'm just gonna change that i think that's that's the hardest and then there's definitely been some situations where where i had no money at all and i was just like okay you know i'm not sure what i'm gonna do <laughs> i have to eat something today and i have to sleep somewhere and like i have zero money so you you, you can get stressed like that yeah you think like you know w what am i doing here in the other side of the world in a country that's not mine and that what am I exactly doing? <laughs> what am I trying to achieve? But then you just remind yourself that like none of that is coming from you. Because mm. you can you can make it happen for yourself anywhere. It's not about you. It's not it'll be the same if I was in Spain or if I was in any other country. It'll come from somewhere else and it will be just the right thing for me at the right time. Actually trying to think of of something like not bad but kind of negative that happened and it's quite it's quite challenging maybe because i always try to think of those positive things i think it's also just i don't i mean i have i've had the same experience where i traveled to turkey with a bunch of young men when I was about 16 and I, was, I think I was 16 and there was a whole there was a big group of us and we traveled from Europe there were some guys from Germany some guys from Spain and some guys from the UK and it was at that time when Turkey was trying to get into the EU and we had come as a delegation to go to all of these um, different key figures in Turkey to show them basically that there is young Muslims in Europe and joining the European Union is not so bad. That was, I think, the kind of agenda of our trip because it was facilitated through some major politicians and things. Anyway, as a 16-year-old youngster with a group of other 15, 16, 17-year-olds, we were just, you know, on, a, on, a, on our own buzz. So whatever we were being used for was <laughs> something different. But if I really reflect on that trip, there was a lot of difficulty and not wanting to do what they wanted us to do and kind of being forced this way or that way. But when I look back on it, I can only remember the, the, the wonderful experiences. And we were there for a month. And lots of it was boring or bad or, you know, being told off by the people that were in charge of us or kind of being taken somewhere else but i can only remember the, the the good memories so maybe i don't know whether it's just me or if that's something in the human condition but you go on this journey and the, and the difficulties kind of fall fall away and you just remember these the beauty of it yeah and also even if it's a a problem or what we would call a problem we've gone through it's always gonna make one of the best stories oh. when you tell it <laughs> when you tell it uh, a year after yeah or a month if you're able to get over it so fast <laughs> you, you're gonna tell it to your friends and your family and it's gonna be just like a funny anecdote yeah. of something you went through because 
that's how that's how it is give me one <laughs> um so i spent at some point uh recently i completely ran out of money and i had to find some work i had some contacts there where is there in the in california and i was with my van and i was just like there you know with nothing to do which for me is the worst because i like i can't stop yeah. in in a place i cannot sit down for too long i have to be constantly doing something mm. so i had nothing to do just me my van and trying to to find something yeah and that was very stressful it it actually extend for like a month and a half it was about five to six weeks Oof. where you know i was alone with my thoughts and with my van i had no money so i was just like figuring out ways to find food and find like a place to sleep with the van and it was very challenging but I, like i said i learned a lot about myself and and what i want to do and how i should do those things and how important it is to get, to have like good company and how strong you are when you have that company and that's what made me come back that's that's when i realized i you know i want to go back to europe and be with my friends that are like my brothers mm. and together we can do something greater because yeah. like i've been doing this and there's other people that are doing the same and if if we are together if we join together something greater can come out of it mm. it won't just me be fighting towards this goal or that goal it will be all of us and even if one is not going towards that direction he's able to help you in in any other ways mm. but but sometimes you need to do that solo mission and just travel on your own and see see where that takes you and where it makes you go in my in my case to come back yeah i mean, I mean you had to go on the solo mission to get to that point to get into the deepest darkest part of your cave mm. and realize whoa if i do this with my brothers it's a different story <laughs> yeah you know yeah, I was doing it with, at the beginning, I had two of my friends there, and at the end too. Mm. And but not the same two? No. Yeah. And that's how, that was kind of, at first it was the taste of it, yeah. you know, very sweet and everything's going right. Then I'm doing my things on my own, and by the end of it, I realized I had enough time to realize that it's much better when they're here and to to prove that another two friends came to visit you know and and one of them was very clear he was like i came because i've been following your stories and i've been talking to you and i knew exactly what you needed and you needed us to come here to show you that what you're doing is great but when you do it with good company, it's greater. Mm. And 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 he told me that. So it was exactly what I was thinking since the moment they arrived. And I was like, okay, brother, you <laughs> you're spot on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New Nomos podcast. The journey can be looked at in so many different ways. It can be looked at from the perspective of traveling and the outward journey. It can be looked at from the perspective of the inner journey and what happens inside us. Or it can be looked at from the perspective of the hero's journey of Joseph Campbell and how the two things intertwine. Nevertheless, Nabil really highlighted so much that can be learned from traveling if it's done properly if it's done consciously if it's done with presence and i can't help thinking that even though the way he talked about it it was as if this journey 
had come to an end, for me, I can only see it as the end of the beginning. And I'm so excited to continue following him, to continue seeing where the next stage of his journey leads him, and what's going to emerge from this next chapter. With that, I bring this episode to a close. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the New Nomos podcast. Thank you.